Before we dive in, I want to let you know that my pediatric food allergy course, Fear to Freedom, is officially open for enrollment right now on emilynolan.com. One more thing before I jump in, I'm a mama, not a doctor. So the information provided in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a qualified medical professional. Any questions you may have concerning the diagnosis or treatment of a medical condition should be directed to your doctor or another qualified healthcare provider. Take the stress, intimidation, and anticipation out of your mind. Educate and train, educate and train. And then if a situation ever does come up, you'll already know how to basically handle it. And you'll go through that functioning and fixing over fearing it. conversation a well-trained emergency mindset because I'm a food allergy mama and I've never been instructed by my child's allergists or pediatrician on how to mindfully respond to an allergic reaction. Not the actual emergency action plan, which we'll cover in another episode, but the mental side of emergency response. How do you stay calm so you can think on your feet? As a mama, there are so many responsibilities left up to us to figure out and saving our child's life should not be one of those things. In fact, emergency response preparedness should be a daily practice so we feel confident when something happens, not if it happens. I've asked my friend and personal hero who taught my almost three-year-old son how to save his life if he were to fall in the water in full winter clothes, Amanda Kransky. She's an ISR instructor, an infant swim instructor. And I asked Amanda to come on and share her emergency response mental training with us all. Amanda's been an EMT for 16 years and a firefighter for 13 years. She's also a homeschool mom to three lovely kiddos and knows firsthand how important practicing a function and fixing response to emergency situations can be. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You've been a firefighter and emergency responder for 16 years. What kind of special training was provided to you and how often did you practice responding to emergencies to cultivate the well-trained mind you were expected to have in emergency situations? Sure. So basically, I started in the emergency medical field when I was 19 years old. I've had over, you know, 23 years to kind of cultivate my well-trained mind, so to speak. I will say that my emergency medical training began and as I've continued through the years, it's pretty much been the same consistent approach involving the same basic components. So, you know, you have your academic material and your continuing education and then lots of hands-on training, both in a structured environment and then in unstructured settings, you know, so out in the field. So our training was always very repetitive, but yet varied. And we were in calm situations and intense situations. And, you know, most importantly, it was daily. It was a daily function. So the department that I worked for ran over 120,000 plus emergency calls a year. So our EMS brains were constantly functioning. They were always on. And can you talk more about the function and fix it mode that you mentioned to me and how important it is to have that mindset when you are in emergencies? 
Yeah. So as far as the function and fix it mode, it's pretty much a metaphorical name. So it's really the mode that your mind and body kind of automatically enter when faced with an emergency. After you've put in all of the due diligence to educate yourself properly and run through numerous scenarios on how to deal with an emergency, um, this function and forget it mode is more or less a reflex, a reflexive action. You know, you don't think about it. You just kind of go into it. And it's something that you're, um, you know, you're tested through time and time again. So yes, situations can be different, but the outline for the flow of where your mind is going to go is kind of the same thing. You, you kind of check those boxes and go through your mind in a systematic approach of how you approach a situation. As a mama, how do you access that? Because for me, I'm like, okay, you know, this is my child. This is different than if I was at a restaurant and I needed to like administer CPR to Joe Schmo. Right. So, you know, I think that the best thing you could do as a potential responder to a loved one's emergency situation at home is to, number one, educate yourself. So the mechanics, the specifics of whatever type of emergency that you might potentially be facing, and then create and practice a variety of action plans on how to respond to that emergency. So when you educate yourself on whatever it is that could affect your family, friend, coworker, you know, neighbor, whoever it is, the situation will already become a little less intimidating. So for instance, in, in your case, you know, if you're concerned about a severe anaphylactic allergic reaction, then you know, you're going to research that allergen, you're going to research what physically happens to the body during an allergic event. You're going to research what the signs and symptoms are for this person, how the treatment works, how to administer the treatment. And then you're going to learn everything you can about it. You know, you're going to research other people who have had the same situation and see how they've presented and what's gone on in their specific situations and how they responded to it. You know, join support groups. You'll talk to your doctor. You know, it's just education, education, education. And then when you feel like you have a really good grasp on these things, you're going to start coming up with a variety of action plans that could best serve this person in your life. So, you know, much like an algorithm, you're going to follow the steps that have to occur. So in emergency services, it's airway breathing circulation, you know, so you're going to run down whatever it is that is your algorithm to help this particular person in your life. And then think of different scenarios where it could happen, when it can happen, how it can happen, and just continuously train and practice, run it through your mind, maybe make it a daily event that you run through something different. You know, if you're going to the grocery store, okay, well, what if this happened here? Take a few minutes to run down the situation, you know, your little algorithm of how you would approach it in that situation and consult your educational materials for this too and support people. There's probably already algorithms out there that can help you. Um, The more you practice, the more you educate yourself, the less intimidating you're going to be, the less fearful you're going to be of getting into a situation And, you know, the more prepared you'll be for this situation itself. I'm going to add a bit of my experience. So when Oliver was diagnosed with food allergies, I was in complete denial. And I think that that denial made me resist the educational piece and the practice piece because I was like, not my kid can't happen to me. I love nutrition. I introduced him to allergens the proper way, early introduction and you know, maybe it's not an allergen. Maybe it was just like a dust thing, or maybe he had eczema. And so a lot of food allergy caregivers or parents, mamas have that experience of denial because it is such a weird, especially if you don't have food allergies yourself or don't have it like so prevalent in your family, pediatric food allergies, you know, it's like, 
where did this come from? This can't be. So that mindset, though, for the listener, I just want you to know that denial is, you know, part of it. I think it's a part of the journey to be like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. But the only way to overcome the despair and the anxiety is to educate yourself. There is no such world as a world where I can abstain from keeping him around allergens, right? Like there will never be a allergy free world for him. And so for him to learn and for me to be prepared and to just constantly work through these scenarios is so important. And I'll add too that it's very overwhelming if this is fresh to you, if this is a new diagnosis. But if you start now and start planning now, you will have such a fast learning curve and this will become so much more normal to you. Um, and you don't have to have a kid with a food allergy to run through these scenarios, right? Absolutely. There's all, all types of scenarios that can be out there. You know, you could have a, a child with special needs that has a stoma that they have to care for. You know, you could have a child that just has had a traumatic injury and you have, you know, wound care that you have to deal with. So there's all, all different types of things that can pertain, you know, asthma. I mean, there's, you know, all different types of things that can um, affect your family or a loved one and not just children, you know, spouses, parents, siblings, it doesn't matter. It's everywhere. So just being prepared to go into that mode. And really, again, it's it's really, it's education. It's education and putting yourself in that scenario before it actually happens. I mean, that's what we do with ISR. We're preparing these children and putting them through these situations um, ahead of time so they can complete it on their own if need be when the situation arises, you know, if it arises for real. I love Seed's PDS08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic, and you probably already know that if you're following me on social media. I mix it with my son's daily multivitamin every morning in a beautiful espresso cup when I can to show him that self-care is a beautiful daily ritual. Also, because it contains the dual-phase prebiotic made of short and long-chain carbohydrates, it does take an extra moment to dissolve. This easy-to-use and sustainably packaged symbiotic, meaning it's a two two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic powder is formulated for benefits in and beyond the gut. It's the first children's symbiotic with nine probiotic strains clinically studied in a pediatric population for benefits across digestive, respiratory, and dermatological health. The pediatric daily symbiotic also supports easy, frequent poops, which happens to be my son's favorite topic. PDS08 even bridges the fiber gap with five grams of fiber per serving. It's a meaningful complement to a healthy diet. Also, it's reassuring to know that the product is free from sugar, artificial colors, flavors, flow agents, binders, preservatives, and if you're listening to this podcast, and likely most important to you, free of 14 classes of allergens. Seed is offering my listeners a 20% code towards your first month. Just head to seed.com backslash Emily Nolan and use the code EmilyN20 to get 20% off your first month today. When on the scene, how do you manage the multiple personalities during function and fix-it mode? For example, emotional family members inserting varying opinions and occasional misinformation. So how do you manage that in that situation other than like, step away? 
Right. Well, and that, you know, that's a very real thing. So basically when you're really in that mode, you're pretty much tuning those personalities out because you're just in your, your mindset, you're kind of going down that checklist. But when you are setting up your action plan, when you are, you know, going through the scenarios before an event actually takes place, this needs to be something that's in there. This needs to be something 100% that's in there because there will be distractions. Certainly in the fire service and EMS, we, we trained with bystanders. I mean, we, you know, go on all types of situations where we have hysterical family members and, and, you know, we have to have them sometimes leave the area. We have to give them a job to do. We have to, but, but we train on all of this beforehand so we can mitigate this. And there's also, um, you know, sometimes when you're in the case of a family member, you might be by yourself, but if you if you're by yourself, then um, you won't be able to have somebody kind of take those people away and out of the scenario. If you're in a an environment where you have multiple people, say you're at a family function, then you can you know tell one person who kind of has run through these scenarios with you to keep this person occupied. But what I would basically do: every situation is going to be different. Every family situation is going to be different. Incorporate these scenarios into your action plans. You know, and if there are people that you know of ahead of time, family members or friends that that you consider to be of these personality types, then maybe you can practice the action plan with them ahead of time and answer the questions ahead of time. You know, if this is something that you know could potentially arise. How would you bring up the situation or or well-trained mind plan or exercises to someone who doesn't ask you for advice? For example, if there's a partner that is like, ah, you know, like you've got it, you know how to do with it. You're always with a kid or a caregiver that, you know, is babysitting or a grandparent. Um, How would you bring it up without being like a bully or feeling like, you know, my way is the best way and you better listen to me. First of all, I think I would have my action plan or plans, you know, a few different plans to kind of decide it on ahead of time. And then I would address it with the person as, you know, you need your help. You need their help to help such individual be safe. And you have this action plan that was created between you and your medical professionals or, you know, pediatrician or allergist or whoever it was that helped you come up with this plan. And you need to make sure that um, you have the right help for Ollie and you need that person's help to make it successful if a situation occurs, you know, and that Ollie you know, has trained on it or whoever it is that is in the situation that they have trained on this as well and are familiar with that specific action plan. So it's important for the loved ones around this person to feel um, supported following the same strategic plan. Out of curiosity, from your experience with emergency response, how many of those responses, ballpark, were with parents watching versus caregivers or somebody who wasn't the main primary caregiver? I would say most of them were with parents around. Most are with a family type environment. You know, I think just because as far as caregivers go or babysitters or nannies or something like that, or, or in school, you're, you know, the majority of the person's time is with, of a child's time is with their parents anyways. If the listener does not have an Avicure or an EpiPen and their child has an anaphylactic reaction and the only line of defense that they have in their house is Zyrtec or Benadryl, how long do you think it could take somebody living in a metropolitan area to have the emergency response team arrive on scene? I would say probably between two to seven minutes, potentially. 
it depends where the units are and if they're already on a call, if they're not on a call, it really just, it really just depends. It depends, you know, where you are in our department in South Florida, we had like an under three minute response time. I mean, we were there quite very quickly. So it really just depends on how many units are available if they're on calls, but probably between two and seven minutes. That's actually an interesting thought when you're looking at real estate to consider being pretty close to an emergency response or fire station where you know that they can get to you and your child should anything happen. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? I would just say, you know, if, if there is anything I could add, it would be basically just to remind you to take the stress, intimidation, and anticipation out of your mind. Educate and train, educate and train. And then if a situation ever does come up, you'll already know how to basically handle it. And you'll go through that functioning and fixing over fearing it. If a situation does occur after it's over and you've decompressed and you've digested what's happened, you'll look at it, look how it went, and you might need to reevaluate your action plan and revise it a little bit. Or there might be more things you add to it. So continuing education because things are always changing. Continuing education and training are really the keys to your success. You know, in that moment when a child or a loved one is affected and if you feel yourself starting to get a little unnerved, you got to just hunger in. You got to just slow down because even though you think stuff is really going so quickly and it's taking more time than it is, it's not. You got to slow down and you just got to think through your process. You just got to refocus. Like I said, digest it all later. Digest it, decompress, and then go through a nice calming process to relook over your situation and see where you are and what you need to do from that point on. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. If you're not ready to get started with Fear to Freedom, my pediatric food allergy course, I do have a pediatric food allergy essentials resource with a ton, I mean a ton of incredible resources to get you started on your food allergy journey and healing your child with food allergies. You can download that right now on emilynolan.com and get started. If there's anything in this episode that resonated with you or led you to take action, I'd love for you to share it with me on social as well as any other friends and family that have children with food allergies or newborn children who may not have food allergies, but you know, may have the possibility to prevent it with this information. Remember to rate and review this podcast. It's a great way to give other parents of food allergy children some much needed hope and encouragement. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I am so grateful for all of your voices and support and love. And I'm just sending you all a great big hug.